Well, welcome to Grace, everyone. It is so good to be together this weekend. Thanks to those that are watching online and those of of you that are here in the room today. Uh, My name's Todd. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at the Bath Campus, and I'm really looking forward and excited to be able to continue our conversation uh, in the series that we've been in that we're calling So Close, The Things That Get Between Us and God. Pastor Jeff has been walking us through uh, this series over the past handful of weeks. He kicked it off uh, over Easter weekend. And what we've been looking at is kind of pressing into the fears and the doubts and the other barriers that tend to get in the way of us fully embracing God's story, his love, and really the life that Jesus desires for us. Uh, So Pastor Jeff has been talking about this fine line uh, that can exist, right? This fine line between victory and defeat, or a fine line like a uh, a hilarious story or a tragic story, or even the fine line between a barrier that protects and an obstacle that divides. Well, I think that fine line even shows up uh, in our personal walk with the Lord. Uh, There are the moments where we are experiencing, uh, you know, God's salvation and his love for us. And we're so close to that, but yet there's times where there are fears and doubts that can get in the way from us fully seeing uh, God for who he is. As I think about uh, kind of this idea of being so close, what I want us to do this weekend uh, is take a look specifically at the doubts that we will face in our lives. You know, I'm amazed at how quickly doubts can swarm our minds, right? I think at the very nature of who we are, we have this ability to doubt. And as you think about what a doubt is, it's simply a lack of confidence in a situation or an outcome. Uh, For example, maybe it's the the comparison of others, right? Uh, Of us to someone else. We will quickly get in our minds, we'll think to ourselves, are we as good as them? Like, can we do what they do? Uh, I'm not sure if I can, right? We'll immediately or quickly put our uh, minds down this path of, of even comparing where it'll lead to doubts. Or maybe it's this pressure to succeed and not fail, right? We put so much pressure on ourselves that there uh, is no way that I can fail, And what happens is, right, our minds will quickly, you know, get us down that path of saying, maybe I'm not good enough, right? Maybe I'm not capable of accomplishing whatever it is I'm running after. Well, this lack of confidence, what it does is it tears down trust, right? And what that is, that trust can be torn down and we lose confidence uh, even towards other people. Right? Uh, So what I mean by this is maybe we're facing a crisis, maybe there's a tragedy, maybe there's a a pain of of some kind in our lives. What, What happens is we begin to lose confidence in what we know to be stable, what we know to be normal. And what happens as a result of that, we will begin to ask questions. Ask questions of why that happened. Why did it have to play out that way, whatever the circumstance may be? And those questions, even more specifically, will go down the path of where we will even start questioning who God is or why God would allow such things to occur, right? We'll ask questions like, why God? God, I I thought you were a good God. Why would you allow such bad to occur? And I've got to be real with you. These questions, they're valid. They're legit questions. And I actually believe that it's okay that we wrestle with them at times. I actually believe God is okay with us wrestling with those questions. 
And so today, as we uh, kind of press into this idea of doubt, as we continue to uh, our conversation in this series, what I want to do is I want to specifically look at a story where we see some characters who, in the midst of their circumstance, really wrestled, really kind of dealt with some of their pain and some of the doubts that came with it. So why don't you go ahead, uh, grab uh, a Bible. Uh, There are some in the chairs in front of you. And there are also, if you feel uh, like using your phone or iPad, feel free to do so. And if you're watching online, you can use the Grace Church app. It's also a great resource. But we're going to be in John chapter 11. That's page 871 in the Bibles there in the chairs. All right, we're going to be looking at the story about Lazarus. All right, I love this story. It's actually one of my favorites. Uh, For time's sake, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, At some time, maybe later tonight, sometime this week, I encourage you to come back and visit uh, John chapter 11 and read this story to kind of press in and see some of the details of what's taking place uh, here for yourself. But for the sake of our conversation today, I just want to give you kind of a a high level of what's going on here to kind of set the framework uh, for where we're going to go in our conversation here today. All right, so there was a man, his name was Lazarus. Uh, He became sick. He had two sisters, their names were Martha and Mary. And when Lazarus became sick, uh, the sisters sent word to Jesus uh, about uh, their brother becoming ill. You'll see there uh, that, that when Mary and Martha sent word, they're like, Jesus, the one whom you love is ill. And this is showing that there is like an established relationship here. Uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they're not strangers to Jesus, right? There is a a previous relationship that exists. And so this word got sent to Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples were probably about a day's worth of travel by foot away from this village of Bethany where Martha and Mary were. And so as we look at kind of the word finally getting to Jesus about Lazarus being ill, he's with his disciples and he's explaining to them that, you know, I think we're going to wait for a couple days. We're not going to leave right away because by this time, when we learn and we read the story, we find that Lazarus has actually already passed away. It probably took place in that first day while the message was even being sent uh, to Jesus. And so the disciples and Jesus are having this dialogue back and forth. It's like, Jesus, why are we waiting, right? Or, or um, why are we waiting two days? And why do you want to go back to Judea, this, this village of Bethany? Because it wasn't long before this, Jesus, we were there and someone actually like tempted to stone you. And no offense, Jesus, I don't know if we want to go back there, right? It's like they're fearing their own life a little bit. Because you could imagine if someone was attempting to stone you, their accuracy is probably not 100% every time, right? And so the disciples being around Jesus were probably in the crossfire there a little bit. And so they're wrestling with Jesus. They're like, wait a minute, why would you want to go back to Judea? so soon. I think we should give it some time. Let's pump the brakes a little bit, Jesus. Well, as we see this, Jesus begins uh, to explain uh, what's going on with Lazarus. He actually refers to him as sleeping when he knows that he has actually passed away. And the disciples were like, well, wait a minute. Why, you know, why are we going there so quickly? If he's sleeping, he'll get better. That's what sick, that's what you do when you're sick, right? You, You get better with rest. And he goes on to explain, he's like, no guys, listen, Lazarus is dead. All right. And so upon arriving uh, to this village of Bethany, uh, it's now four days since Lazarus has passed away. 
And Martha caught word that Jesus was on his way, and so she chose uh, to meet him outside on the outskirts of this village. And we see that Jesus and Martha had this interaction, right, this this conversation together. And we're going to press into that conversation in a little bit, but they're dialoguing, and, and she's explaining kind of how she's feeling, the emotion of losing her brother, and Jesus is, is meeting her there, reassuring her who he is, and, and they're just having this conversation, all right? After their dialogue is finished, Martha goes back to the house where her sister Mary was with other guests. So Bethany, this village, is about, about two miles away from uh, Jerusalem. And so many Jews had come down from Jerusalem to basically pay their respects to the sister for the loss of their brother. And so the guests are in the house, Mary's in the house, and Martha comes in and says, Mary, listen, the teacher's here. Uh, He's eager to go see you. And so immediately she drops what she's doing. She runs out uh, to go meet him where Martha uh, and him were having a conversation. What caught the Jews' attention there that were visiting because they're like, why is she leaving so quickly? She must be going to the tomb to mourn. Let's go with her. And so now Mary and the the guest are joining uh, in this conversation with Jesus uh, on the outside of town here. And Jesus continues to to dialogue uh, with, with Mary we see her response to Jesus when, when she first sees him is the same as that of Martha, which is fascinating. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Well, we see Jesus uh, is, is emotional, right? Uh, he's starting to see the emotion on Mary and, the, and the, the Jews, the guest faces there, and he becomes deeply moved, the Bible says. And eagerly, he wants to go to the tomb of where Lazarus was buried. And they go to the tomb, and he asks for the stone to be moved away, And in that moment, Martha says, hold on, Jesus. Like, are you sure you want to open this tomb? It's been four days since Lazarus has died. Like, he's he's dead, dead by this point. Like, to the point where his body's probably starting to decay, and it's going to be stinky, right, if you open up that tomb. And so she's starting to doubt. She's realizing, she's like, well, wait a minute. Are you sure you want to open that, Jesus? And Jesus says, like, listen, are you, like, yes, we're opening this tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus raises from the dead, and all those that were present, it says in verse 45, that they believed. All right, so it's giving you some backstory here. It's giving you an idea of what we're going to be pressing into. All right, we have these sisters who are in the midst of their grief a little bit, in the midst of their pain. They lost their loved one, their brother. And so I encourage you this week, go back, take a look at it. But what I want us to do today is to press into those interactions that Mary and Martha had with Jesus. Because I think they're fascinating and there's a lot that we can learn and process from how they dealt with their circumstance and how I think we can apply that to our lives as well. And so as we look at this, let's first take a look at Jesus' and Martha's interaction. You can take a look at verse 21. All right, so Martha met Jesus on the outside of this village, Bethany, and here is what Martha says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's fascinating, because I think that statement within itself is loaded. All right, Martha's saying, if you had been here, right, this is, this is Jesus, they know him to be the Messiah, and she's, in a sense, listen, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive, And I think what this portion of this verse is showing us is that she is in the midst of her pain. She's grieving, right? She is grieving so much that there is even questions that are coming. It's like, Jesus, why weren't you here? Like, I, I sent word like four days ago. Why did it take you so long to get here? 
And we're starting to get a glimpse of a little bit of this, this doubt into the questions that she might have been wrestling with in that moment. Now, even though she was struggling, this is fascinating, the second part of this verse, but she says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And so we see her wrestling with her doubt a little bit, but we also see that she still has a faith in believing that God is going to do, right, what his son is asking him to do. And so Jesus responds to her and says, Martha, your brother, he's going to rise again. And she responds to Jesus in the very next verse, verse 24. I know he's going to rise, but it's going to be on the resurrection of the last day. Now, think about that a second. Martha understands the whole process, understands who Jesus is, understands that he's the Messiah. And so he knows, or she knows, where Lazarus is spending eternity. She knows that Lazarus was a follower. She knows that he believed. And so his, his eternal destination is this of eternity in heaven. And so she's like, okay, I know he's going to rise on the resurrection of the last day. But Jesus responds to her, and this is a fascinating response, the very next verse. He says to her, but Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? I encourage you to underline that question. Because that's a powerful question that he is asking Martha in that moment. And so as Martha is in her pain, Jesus met her in that moment with this like theological response. Uh, she required an understanding or an answer to the questions that she was processing. She wanted to like know, all right, Jesus, like I, I need you in this moment. And I need you to provide an answer for my question here. She knows that Lazarus is going to ex uh, experience eternity in heaven. She's got that. But still, there was doubt. There was still question. And in this moment, Jesus affirms her with this question, or this answer and question. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will have life even though you die. Martha, do you believe this? And in verse 27, she's like, yes, Lord. I know you are the Messiah, the Son of God. All right, so this is the interaction that Jesus and Martha are having on the outskirts of town here. And when this dialogue finishes, Martha goes back to the house where Mary was and sees Mary and says, hey, uh, Mary, the teacher is asking for you. He's ready to see you. And quickly, she runs out to meet him in the same place where Martha met him. And if you take a look at verse 32, here's the interaction between Jesus and Mary. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So Martha and Mary both approach Jesus in, in a kind of a different mindset or a different approach, but what they said was the same. And this is what this tells me as I was studying this and looking through that. I think it's a fascinating response that both of them said the same thing. And I think the reason why that happened was because for the past four days, they're wrestling with where Jesus was. They sent word and they were like expecting and hoping and praying that he would arrive to help their brother Lazarus. But when he didn't show, what happened is they start trying to wrestle around with like, where is he? I thought he'd be here. And so we get this picture of some frustration towards Jesus. 
Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. These words deeply moved, it's fascinating. If you would study that in the Greek, there is actually a connotation of anger when we read deeply moved. And so Jesus is seeing the emotion on Mary's face, seeing the emotion on the guests, the Jews that came to pay their respect. And you can see that he was, he was hurt. He was frustrated. He was angry at what he was experiencing there. Have you ever experienced frustration and hurt and pain that you like wanted to react in anger, right? It's like you want to just hit something. Well, this is what we're getting a glimpse of, this deeply moved And so he asks them, where have you laid him? They said, come and see, Lord. And the very next verse, if you want to memorize a verse in the Bible, I encourage you to do this one. It's super easy. Jesus wept. John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. And this gives us a picture of who Jesus is. Right, as we look at this, why did Jesus weep in this moment? Because think about it. The fact that Lazarus has died and he understood who Jesus was as the Messiah, that should have been a joyous moment for Jesus. Knowing that Lazarus is experiencing this this eternal life with the Heavenly Father. But instead, what we get from Jesus is this incredible example of empathy. Jesus wanted Mary to know that he loved her. He wanted her to know that he was with her and felt her pain alongside of her. And though Jesus' emotion is here and it's being demonstrated and expressed to us, what this does for us is this gives us this incredible picture of the attribute of who God is. Because think about this a second. God was capable In the moment here, he was capable of being present with Mary. To to feel the empathy, to feel her pain, to be present with her in that moment. But at the same time, he also knew what the outcome was going to be. He knew what was coming down the road here. And so this gives us this great attribute of God that he is capable of being present in all circumstances. And so as I look at the interactions between Mary and Jesus and Martha and Jesus, I'm, I'm blown away at how each of them responded and each of them had this personal interaction with him because both desired for Jesus to meet them where they were and to experience the pain that they were experiencing in the midst of their grief. But as I look at this, Martha required this like intellectual response. She needed to be affirmed of who Jesus was as she was processing her doubts and her pain. And on Mary's side of things, she just wanted Jesus to be with her. She wanted him to like come alongside of her and cry with her and to comfort her. And so as I read these verses and these interactions that they had with Jesus, I actually find comfort in knowing that Jesus is able and willing to meet us in the midst of all of our circumstances. And and Jesus is just as, if not more, upset at the pain that Mary 
Martha and the visitors were experiencing in that moment. He was upset that they were experiencing this pain in their lives because God's initial intention of of creating everything into being was there not to be evil, for there not to be pain. But because there is, Jesus met them in the moment, and I find comfort that he meets us, and what he chooses to do is that he redeems it. He redeems the pain. He meets us in the midst of our questions and our doubts. I think it's fascinating as we look at this story of Jesus raising Lazarus back to life. I think that there is actually this reoccurring theme or thread that lies within these 45 verses. And and this thread that shows up, I think what it does is it reveals this bigger picture of what Jesus was doing in this moment. He was present with them, but I think there was something bigger going on. And so I want to show you some of this. I think there are some clues that reveal this bigger picture. So feel free to take a look there uh, again at this story. The first clue that shows up here is in verse 15. Jesus is actually uh, dialoguing with his disciples. And they're contemplating, why are we going back to Judea, right? Why the time frame? And he says this to them. He says, I am glad I was not there when Lazarus had died, so that you may believe. It kind of shows us some purpose. It shows us some like background to Jesus's mind here. It's like, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you, my disciples, would believe. The second clue shows up when Jesus is interacting with Martha. All right, so Martha met Jesus out uh, and they began their conversation. And he says this, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Again, he's, she's showing Martha, listen, there's something else going on here. And the one who believes in me. And then he asks that profound question, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this for yourself? The fourth clue comes a little bit later after Jesus had his interaction with Mary. They're now out at the tomb uh, and Jesus is like, hey, uh, move the stone. And what Martha does is say, hold up there, Jesus, wait a second, right? There's an odor. I don't think that's a good idea. And Jesus responds to her, to her with this. Did I not tell you, Martha, that if you believe that you will see the glory of God? The fifth clue, Jesus is praying to God. God, with what is about ready to happen, I pray that those who are here would know and understand that you have sent me. Verse 42, that they may believe that you, God, have sent me. And lastly, verse 45, the final clue, that those who were there saw what Jesus did and they believed in him. You see, Jesus was very aware of what was happening prior to everything going down. And this is the attribute of God, of him being all-knowing. It's powerful. But Jesus made decisions along the way on purpose throughout this story to reveal his bigger picture. That he would have those who were there witnessing all of this, that they would believe. And looking at that prayer that Jesus uh, prayed to God, it's a powerful prayer. And what that prayer does is it actually proves Jesus' heart towards Mary, 
Martha, and those others that were there. It reveals that he wanted them to believe in God the Father. Now, let's just be real for a second. That's really easy for us to say that from our perspective and our point of view. To know that there was a bigger picture, there was a bigger plan that Jesus was doing here. Because from our point of view, as we read the text, we're like, all right, I I see what he's doing. But it wasn't easy for Mary and Martha. It wasn't easy for them to see the bigger picture. And here's why. I encourage you to write this down. The reason why was that they were so close to their pain, their circumstance, and their doubt that they could not see the bigger picture of what Jesus was doing. They were so close to their pain that they were unable to see that he was still working in other ways. Now, I personally, I I can put myself into the shoes of Mary and Martha a little bit. I think it can be easy for us to relate in their circumstance. They're grieving the loss of their brother. But they prayed, and they were hopeful that Jesus was going to come. And when he didn't, for four days, it turned into doubt. It turned into those questions. And I find that when we are in the midst of our circumstances, maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's that we, we uh, experienced a broken relationship or lost a job or didn't make the team that we tried out for. Whatever the circumstance is, we can be so close to that pain that we're unable to see how God is working in our lives. So I want to illustrate this for a second to help just make sure this makes sense. All right, this is going to require a little uh, participation. All right, don't worry. It's not that big of a deal. Raise your hand. All right, and I want you to place your hand in front of your face about an inch away. Whew, I need a breath mint, not good. All right, just kidding. All right, as your hand is in front of your eyes, I think this is what pain is like, right? We can be so close to the pain in our lives that we are unable to see all that God is doing anywhere else. You're you're, you're blinded by the experience or the situation of your pain that you're unable to see him working elsewhere. You can put your hand down. Now, I think it's important, I want to make sure that we understand that Mary and Martha, their pain, their doubt, the tears that they shed that day, it wasn't because of their lack of trust or their faith. And here's why I believe that that is true. Faith and doubt can coexist. I believe that our faith in who Jesus Christ is And the doubt that comes from our life circumstances, I believe that they can coexist together. Because our circumstances, what happens is it creates a barrier from us being able to embrace truly who Jesus is. And I think this is because we are so close to the pain that we are unable to see who he is. But our faith, our doubt, they can coexist together. Now, I want to make sure that I'm I'm clear here. As we think about the grieving process, I am not saying that it's not okay to grieve. I believe it is healthy. I believe it is normal, especially when you experience such loss. And and if you find yourself in the midst of that season, I, I just want you to know that there are resources that are available here at Grace that we would love to help walk through that season with you. And I want to make sure I also understand that that you know that questioning is okay. 
Asking questions is okay. Why, God, is this happening? Your focus, your mind is actually still on him. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why did this take place? God, why? Questioning is okay. Now, as we think about our faith and doubt being able to coexist, our faith, though, is the solution that allows us to step back from the pain and begin seeing again what else God is up to and how else he's working. I want to put some skin on this a little bit because this idea of faith and doubt coexisting showed up and ultimately probably saved my life. Uh, every time I've been, uh, had the privilege to be able to speak here on the weekend, I've given you snippets of my story. Back in 2011, um, my mom, uh, out of the blue, uh, during a doctor's appointment, she was ill, uh, got diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. And I remember being with her that day when the doctor came in and shared that news. She was lying in the hospital bed. I was on the side of the bed, and the doctor looked at her and gave her kind of the prognosis and was told that she had six weeks left to live. Her life flashed in front of her eyes. And the immediate emotion overwhelmed her. You could imagine. But as I was sitting next to the hospital bed, and as that, the words from the doctor's mouth came out, I couldn't help but stand up and walk out. I couldn't help but leave the room. I ultimately left the hospital and I was outside in the courtyard of this hospital and I remember I was out there, I was almost raising a fist towards God. Why? Why would you allow this to happen to her? Questions, doubts, you name it, they flooded my mind. They became overwhelming. I couldn't help but think, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? to my mom. My mom fought for her life for 18 months. In November of 2012, uh, my mom passed away. I happened to be with a, a really good friend. The moment that she passed away, um, she passed away at home. And I'll never forget when she took her last breath, the smack in the face of the questions, of the doubts, of the pain, of the anger that flooded me again. It was like round two. You see, what happened is I was so close to the pain of that moment that I was not capable of seeing God still working in those moments. I'm talking about the moments of when the doctor came in and shared the news. The moments of the 18 months that we got to share life together when it was supposed to be six weeks. The moment that she passed away and, and being so grateful that I had my dear friends with me. Or, or, or the moment at the funeral. Because there were actually two moments that happened at the funeral that I am so grateful that they took place, that it happened and it occurred. As the calling hours were taking place at mom's funeral, I was uh, up front with some other family members and people were waiting to come pay their respects. And, and this lady came up to me and began introducing herself. <clears throat> Tears in her eyes. She's like, Todd, uh, my name's Bobby. Um, I, I'm your half-sister. Wasn't expecting that one. You see, my mom got pregnant in high school and she gave this little girl named Bobby up for adoption. 
uh, to a loving couple who was going to take care of Bobby. And in that moment when Bobby came up to me, and as she was expressing emotion, it actually wasn't emotion attached to our mom passing away. It was emotion because she was still wrestling after 35, almost 40 years of why my mom gave her up for adoption. Now, I knew about Bobby prior to that introduction. I just had never met her. And the reason why I knew about Bobby was because my mom talked about her often. In fact, in her bedroom, there was a picture of her on her mirror. And she would be open about kind of what took place and what happened, and that she cared so much about Bobby. She would pray for her all the time. She wanted what was best for her. And so in the small conversation, that short conversation that I was able to have with Bobby that day, the simple fact that I knew about her brought comfort to her. But for me to be able to explain to her that my mom still cared, or cared to the day she died, about her, I think it was the exact thing that she needed to hear in that moment. To know that she prayed for Bobby. To know the example that my mom loved her so much that she, she chose life. And for me to be able to share that with her, it was powerful. But here's the deal. I was not able to see that in the moment because I was too close to the pain. I didn't see that as that special moment when it was taking place. It took time. If that day wasn't emotional enough, about an hour later after uh, Bobby had come through, uh, I looked at the back of the room and my dad came through the door. Now, for those of you that don't know, my parents divorced when I was in middle school. And after they divorced, I had lost uh, all contact with my dad. Uh, he, he basically just went MIA. And so it was 15 years after my parents divorced that this was the first time that I had seen my dad, heard from him, knew he was alive. I'll never forget, there was some time between when he walked in the door to when he came up front to, to talk with me. I can't remember any of the conversations that took place in between because my mind was locked on, what am I going to do when he comes up here? What's he going to say? And I remember he came forward, he, he was weeping, he had tears in his eyes, and I just remember I got to embrace him. And I got to look at him and tell him that I forgave him. And I was able to look at him and say, listen, I want to rekindle whatever relationship that can exist. Incredibly powerful moment in my life. But my friends, listen, I was too close to the pain to see how God was moving in those moments. The truth is, I think about that funeral, I knew my mom was experiencing eternity in heaven. I knew that she was experiencing paradise. It was good. No more pain but it still didn't help me in the midst of my grieving process. I was still hurt. I was still in pain, and I was still wrestling with those questions and even those doubts. But I'll tell you this, after time, I was able to see over, over months, years past, that I was able to see how God was working even in the moments of that funeral, of how I was able to talk with Bobby and as I was able to see my dad. I think for us, as I think about this story in John chapter 11, and I look at how Martha and Mary got to interact with Jesus, I can relate to them because I had a very clear Martha moment. I had a very clear Mary moment. 
It was in those moments I think about how Martha needed the answers. She needed an understanding of who Jesus was. And I remember standing outside the hospital, frustrated and angry towards God. And over the course of the days, weeks, months, years that passed, God placed people in my life time and time again that answered the questions that I was looking for, helped me see the goodness of who he was that ultimately provided the healing and the comfort that I needed through that chapter in my life. And then I had the very clear Mary Martha, or Mary moment, excuse me, where she needed Jesus to be present. She wanted him to just be in the moment, to show empathy, to cry alongside of her. And what I see is like how Jesus met me in the midst of my doubts, in the midst of my questions. I wanted him to just be present and to be with me. And I felt that same empathy that she did in the midst of the hardest moments. Now, just because I've come away from that pain, that grief, I've come out of that storm a little bit, that doesn't mean that the doubts and questions just vanish that they just go away. To this day, I still wrestle with, man, Lord, I, why so soon? Why couldn't my mom meet my children? Like, it's in those moments that I still wrestle with this, but remembering that faith and doubt can coexist, it helped me process that and walk through that. I want you to know that God's heart breaks in the midst of our pain. He doesn't want us to have to experience it, but because we do, he redeems it. And he meets us in those moments and he works through us in those circumstances anyway. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was that moment, that picture that we're provided that gives us the picture of his goodness. It doesn't mean that God is going to come and take the pain away, but what it does do is it shows his power. And that power, when we trust and we believe in that power, he's going to demonstrate that power in our lives in ways that we never thought were possible. And so this is what I want us to do. The band's going to come out and get settled in. And I want us to circle back to that question that Jesus asked Martha. He said, Martha, do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I am the one who provides ultimate true life, even though our time here on earth is temporary? Do you believe that? And my friends, the truth is, we are going to face circumstances for the rest of our lives here on earth that are going to cause doubts, fears, pain. And those doubts are going to lead to questions about God, about who he is. But I want to encourage you that with time, with healing, over time we're able to move back away from the pain and begin seeing how God's moving and to see his plan and purpose in our lives. So if you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, if you've never processed or answered that question, do you believe? 
if you've never done that before, we actually want to create some space and invite you to process what it would look like for you to answer it for the first time. To be able to take a step back from the pain and believe that God is working and that he's got a bigger picture for you. I want to encourage you to think about what it would look like to begin believing and trusting Jesus who ultimately provides true life. God's desire is for us to be in a relationship with him. In fact, God's hand is extended out. He simply just wants you to take it. And so what would it look like for you if you've never answered that question before? For others of us in this room, we're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of those circumstances that are bringing and causing this pain and even doubt. My desire and my prayer for today is I hope that you would find hope and peace knowing that our faith and our doubt can coexist. And as you process that grief, process through the circumstance, my prayer is that you would get a glimpse of what God's doing, that you would get a glimpse of the bigger picture of how he's at work in your life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the story that we're reminded at how you meet us in the middle of our circumstances, Lord. That even the pain that is occurring in our lives, the doubts that, that will come to the surface, Lord, you meet us in those moments. You're not upset if we're questioning you, no. You welcome that because you know that our hearts are, are hurting but we know you want to embrace us. You want to love us. And you want to meet us in those moments. So Jesus, my prayer and my desire is for us to run after you. And if there is an individual who's, who's listening to this, who has never asked that question of do you believe, I pray that today would be that day. That you would give them the supernatural boldness and the confidence to run after you for the first time. And Lord, if there's anybody in here who's hurting, would you surround them right now with exactly what they need? Maybe it's another individual. Maybe it's just your presence here today, Lord. But would you meet them here and now? We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name.